Oh man, we we are back in the set, ladies and gentlemen. This is your boy Martin. This is Marlon. And this is Patrick. Uh, welcome to another installment of the Day Late Dollar Day Late Dollar Show podcast. Uh, we're, we're running a little bit behind. I think different things help, help slowed us all down. Fourth of July holiday being a big one for all of us. That's a special weekend too. Oh man. Yep, that's a special weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Pat came in time for the weekend. I saw him. Drinking. Yes, sir. In and out, like I always do. Yeah, you had, uh, you had a couple shots, and uh, you weren't feeling too good afterwards. I wasn't. I was tired. Old ass. Just can't hang like you used to, huh? Well, that's okay. That's right. We always get older. <laughs> that's right. I ain't getting old. I'm getting better, actually. There it is, like fine wine. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, uh, jumping right into it, man. Uh, big event happened. It was it was Pat's birthday, and he took a trip to of all places Dubai. Yeah, uh, birthday uh, and our anniversary was July the third. So, um, yeah, man, I went to uh, I went to Dubai, and it was uh, an amazing journey, man. I I really enjoyed myself. Uh, I took a lot of pictures. I saw a lot of um, um, a lot of different. Uh, ethnicities and and different type of cultures. Um, a lot of tourist attractions. We did a um, uh, we did a camel ride. We did uh, went to Ferrari World, which is an amusement park based off of the Ferrari sports car. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's like a three billion dollar facility. Like it's the fastest roller coaster in the world. I mean, everything there is like big like it's like money is not a thing and um it 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 actually uh motivated me to to learn more about um the uae united arab emeritus and find out basically you know how did they are they're a very oil rich country of course being in the middle east and you know what's the history of it and one of the guys was telling me the history of it and i got a couple books on it uh, that I'm going to start reading about it, but it made us an interesting journey because we passed by uh, the palace of of the um, um, of the of the prince and the uh, uh, the royal family that was um, and, and there's a long history into it. But to make a long story short, they started off the where their palace is. The guy was telling us 40 years ago that was a tent city it was a tent village that they were living in and so you know oil is made you know not only you know the the family rich but the country rich as a whole and you just talk about some of the different things that that they're going to be doing they're hosting the um the world expo this year in october from october to i think to may and um man it's i had so much fun i didn't get to do everything i wanted to do uh, that I'm motivated to go back because Dubai is like one of those places you got to go two or three times because there's so much going on there and uh, so much other stuff being built. So, man, I really had a blast. And as soon as I get myself acclimated and back into my workflow, uh, I post up a lot of the pictures on it so people can share the experience. That's awesome, man. So what was like your favorite part of uh, Dubai? My favorite part was um, yeah. when I went to the mosque, uh, Abu Dhabi. And uh, we had an opportunity to tour the Grand Mosque, which is most of the people, if you go to Instagram and you look at and you put in Dubai or Abu Dhabi or whatever, you're going to see a lot of people going to post 
pictures of them being at the mosque and it's it's a it's one of the mosques there that allow the public to go through and so um you get an opportunity to really see this enormous place of worship for people who are muslims and um a lot of people um you know don't know a lot about islam and i know a little bit about it uh i'm inquisitive about knowing more about it but uh there's a there's a huge history um of islam as a religion and um, it's practice and, and there's a great appreciation for it. And it, it gets labeled a bad name because of a lot of, a lot of different things, but um, digging deep into it, it, it really turns out to be a pretty solid, um, a really solid religion foundation. Um, and to see Muslims actually walking around and, and interacting with some of them, man, it was, it was a real good experience. I think that's interesting, and that's one thing I wanted to ask. You know, we we kind of live in a day and time where you say Muslim, you say Islam, and it's instantly associated with something negative. Yes. Just because of how it's portrayed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've had the benefit myself, you know, just here in the U.S. of interacting with people who are from overseas and who grew up in that religion and that belief system and that lifestyle. That's right. To me, They've always been like, you know, you know, to me, I always looked at them almost like Jehovah's Witnesses, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, very devout beliefs, not generally bad people, really just regular people, maybe yes. have lifestyles that are a little bit different than what my lifestyle is as someone who grew up in the Catholic Church and Christian overall, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, <clears throat> you know, really just you know, someone that I could break bread with and be friends with and have a relationship with. You know, they're not some demonic, terrible people. Right. That, that, you know, like it's portrayed like death to Americans. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, that's a media thing. Yeah. Not, don't get me wrong. Just in, 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 any, in, in any any faith or faction or however, they're extremists. I mean, we have Catholicism and Christians, you know, I'm mm-hmm. sure, you know, irregardless of what religion it is. But I've always looked at it like, you know, I feel like lack of knowledge of the people has always been the one. Yes, very much. You know, for you to get, you know, the first-hand perspective of like being in their country. Yes. You know, I think that's such a big thing because, you know, if you ever get in a, pers- a situation where it's like, I've been over there, I've seen it, you know, they're regular people. They go out and buy groceries and, you know, they, they work jobs, you know. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we saw more, we saw, um, I mean, everybody drove foreign cars, everybody wore um, luxury apparel, and Mm -hmm. it was, I mean, it was, it was crazy, and so uh, we saw more Mercedes G wagons than we saw Toyotas, Mm -hmm. and so it was, it was amazing because, again, our perspective is, is we see Muslim, we see extremism, and we don't see you know the the portions of it where you know some of them have you know sewn in parts of american culture that we saw and um you know it 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 was a really amazing experience and and another thing i'll add to it is is that we were as we were going through a tour of the city and things of that nature and we passed by a prison and he said you know this is a this is a prison right here and we asked him was crime high and he said no he said you know, they basically have a 0.2% crime rate. He said, people don't really commit crimes. He said, well, for one thing, we don't have guns. 
And, hmm. and and if you think about it, one of the issues with with American culture is is we we have a we have a, a surplus of guns. Everybody got guns around, so of course situations where they probably could be worked out verbally or whatever it gets escalated to weapons. And you know, if, if you think about it from that perspective, and for them, he said, you know, that prison. He said we have jails here. He said, but people are badly in there. He said it's really. He said, you know, people. Some people get locked up for fraud or something like that. But he said, like a common occurrence in terms of, you know, just violence. That's a. It's really, really low, and so that's another. That's another stereotype that you know people have to really get over because as you know me and my wife got back and we were talking you know different people and they saw that we had been there because we didn't tell anybody we were going well we told a few people were going but um, not me yeah no not your ass that's some shit you find out you find out with everybody else and oh that good (laughs) my real brothers man we talked about that you know what time it is like to we like to just do it and instead of you know and, you know, instead of painting a picture and stuff, you know, just do it and then we'll have something to talk about when we get back. But, um, you know, people are like, wow, you know, it's not dangerous over there. And we're like, no, it's not. It's more dangerous here. Yeah. You know, if you think Thanks. about it. And so, yeah. you know, I mean, that, that's, you know, it looks some of the biases that I'm, I'm talking about now, I had to get over myself, right? I'm in the airport. We're unloading and stuff like that. And I'm seeing, you know, this gargantuan of, um, um, of people who are who live in Dubai who are dressed in you know Arab clothing and faces covered and things like that, and it it did freak me out early on, and I had to adjust to it, you know. Mm-hmm. And then as I got into it more and more, then it it just was something different. I, I didn't I didn't think about it as I was passing by. So you know some of those biases that we have planted in us by the media and all types of other things you know, we have to retrain ourselves. And, you know, that's part of the reason why I like to travel different places, because I like to retrain myself on what I think I know about something and what I what I actually end up finding out about some things when I get there. And so that's that's a that's one of the things why I have a whole lot of travel destinations on my bucket list to go to so that I can immerse myself in the culture and find out firsthand, you know, uh, how they live, how they think of Americans, how they think about different things, and and it, it turns out to be really, really an amazing thing. Because when you say you're from America, they, oh, you're from the U.S., and you know they're 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 excited to to interact with you and ask you different questions about Trump, of course, and all the other type of stuff that we have going <laughs> on. You know, cause, that's funny. So, so let me ask you, what was that interaction like? Like, give me give me one specific interaction that you can recall. Where it's like you told somebody from there, you know, I'm from the U.S. And how did that go? Okay, so I, I'll give you, I'll give you something a little deeper. One of the things we we took uh, we took the baby with us. So one of the things that's really big in their culture is, is when they see a baby, they go crazy. So everywhere mm-hmm. we were going, we went to the mall. Uh, we went, you know, we went out for the camel ride, or we were out around the hotel. Everybody would stop and grab the baby, and a lot of them would come up and actually kiss her, and you know, my wife would kind of look at each other like, what the fuck? You know, and like, and, and, and the thing was is that we're not used to that, right? Because in right. American culture, right. the only people that would do that generally is relatives, right? And close right. Mm-hmm. But these were people who were walking up, kissing her on their hands. And I mean, like random strangers. Yeah, yeah. So there's a, there's a cherishment of, 
of of babies as these, I guess as a as a prized treasure, I guess. And again, right. that that's what that's what motivated me to grab. I, I have like four books I've I've purchased on just Islamic culture and things like that to kind of get a better idea of you know how the whole cross cultural relationship um, and and they have so that I wouldn't think that something like that is is you know, in mundane or something, but mm-hmm. uh, that was that was one example I would say that um, um, that was that was different. Um, one conversation I had was with someone. Uh, they were actually from the UK. It was actually a black couple. We thought they were from the US until they started talking and had a strong um, British accent. And so um, they were asking us about the child, and they actually had a kid that was around the same age, and they said they left. And so, again, another thing that people were so mesmerized by is that we had our kid with us. A lot of people didn't. We were at a we were at a we were at a resort hotel where it wasn't that kids weren't allowed because they had a kid section and their own kid pool and thing like that. But this was a this was more if if anybody's been to Vegas before and been to the Wynn Hotel where yeah. they do all the, that's the hotel we stayed in was Palm Five, which is kind of like the Wynn. Uh, of Dubai. It was, you know, party all day. They have a club there at nighttime. People actually come there to go to the pool, to go to the day parties and things like that. And so people were like just so like mesmerized that we have a child with us. And so, um, you know, overall it was a good experience though. I, I would love to go back like soon. That's what's up, man. You know, I, I say Dubai and the UAE was always it's, it's always something on a bucket list. Yes. Cause we see it in movies and you, you spoke on it when you first talked about like the money. Mm-hmm. Yes. I remember I wanna say it was early two thousands and like you first I, I that's kinda when I remember first like hearing about Dubai mm-hmm. and how it turned into what it has. Yeah, that's right. You know, because it, it's not like this is somewhere that's been around for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. That's right. I think the country, the UAE is, they, they, so it was broken down into different uh, emirates and then they were unified, I think, in 1971. And that's when it became the UAE. And and it's a real interesting history. Like the, the, the individual who's responsible for uniting them, I had his name. It's, it's probably my phone somewhere. His picture is all over Dubai and all over Abu Dhabi. Like he's, you know, worship as a guy. He died in 2004, but mm-hmm. um, his his work to unify the UAE um, is something that, again, you know, in, inspired me to get some work on it and get a book on it to find out more about right. it because um, he really set them forward on this forward progress that they're on now. And and man, their their things in Dubai, their infrastructure is. It's serious. Yes, and it's it's a lot better than ours, and we say we're the richest country. I mean, now they have a lot of oil money, and for the last, you know. Well, you know, I, I look at, you know, you look at their country, mm-hmm. they, and this is why I was looking at, like, you know, we say, and like you said, we say we're the richest country. Yes. They're, they're essentially young, you know, 40, mm-hmm. and they've had the benefit of kind of seeing what everybody else has done. Mm-hmm. And then have built from there. That's right. But it's also a testament to what you can do as a country if you invest in your country. Exactly. That's right. That's one of the things we don't do a good job of. And we'll get to this at at a a later podcast and talk deeper about it. But that's one of the things that 
Dubai has done that, where they invested a lot in infrastructure, tourism, where they brought jobs. They have a, a immigration system set up where their in the, their citizens get first dibs, and everybody can't become a citizen. Uh, right. That's something different than what the U.S. is, right? That you can, if you come to the U.S. and you're not a citizen, but you have a child here, the child gets naturalized as a citizen. Well, in Dubai, right. that's not the case, and so they're they're, they're protecting their investment, though. Yeah, and there's also again when you when people begin to travel abroad and see other countries and see other cultures you start seeing that there are certain freedoms that we do enjoy in the u.s um that they don't you know that they've never heard of in terms of that would never take place here and so it's, it's like what for example like what for example the naturalization thing where okay. if someone came here if someone came here they'd have a baby the child would be naturalized as a citizen in Dubai that's not the case uh, another thing is is that if you wanted to get a green card to become a citizen of Dubai their citizens actually I think that if I'm not mistaken I got it all wrote down in my notes they have a, a system set up where their citizens get first dibs on everything so if you wanted to here's a good example if you want to start a business there you would actually have to get a citizen a, a UAE citizen sponsor your business and you have to share a certain percentage of your profits with them. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's something that again, we don't we don't have to do that in America. And I think that nope. I think it's I want to say it's 40 or 50 percent of the business you have to share. And Jeez. that person doesn't do anything except they sponsor do. you. They got to finance you or nothing. But they got to be their name has to be on the paperwork. Yes. That's right. And that's how they make sure that their citizens are number one and they make sure that, you know, people who may be coming in from other countries who come in to, you know, um, you know, maybe take advantage of some of the, you know, economic prosperity that's there and merge themselves into it, that you can't emerge yourself into it until you're sponsored by somebody who's a citizen. And, you know, to me, I, I found that, I found that amazing. And it was, it, the way it was being talked about was a normal way of life. But, I mean, could you imagine something like that here? That would, if if that topic even came up, that okay, in order for someone from another country to come here and they'd have to, you know, sponsor someone or something like that, I imagine that would set off this huge debate on race and all types of other stuff, <laughs> imperialism and all the other stuff. But you know, it just tells you different people have different. They have different ways of, of, of life and, and how they do things and, and how they how they you know uh, develop and redevelop and renegotiate culture and so that's a that's a that was a real real amazing thing so I'm looking forward to going back there and uh, a lot of these other countries I want to visit. All right, we're back. I, I apologize for the technical difficulties. Uh, we're back. We're back with it now. Pat was finishing up his telling us about his trip to Dubai, and just some of the things you know culturally that are different. And just to, you know, a quick point to that, uh, Pat, what you were saying is how it would be kind of a firestorm on our end mm -hmm. about you know how you have to be essentially be sponsored by someone. Yes. To business and I, I think that's interesting very much it is and so that's what stimulated me to read more about it and then you know probably the next podcast or down the line I have some more information about how that functions 
you know, the history of it and things like that. But uh, another interesting thing, and I said this early on, was is, is the pictures um, of um, uh, the individual that was responsible for unifying um, the merits. And um, his his picture was all over uh, Dubai. It was different statues. It was different. Um, um, He's almost deified in the culture for what he did. Very much. And so, and, and I was telling my wife, and I said, you know, the crazy thing is that uh, I say in America, you know, we, and, and that's that's a, it, it's a, it's 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 a good thing. It's a bad thing because I would say, you know. In the idea of worshiping um, or, or worshiping idols and things like that, um, that's kind of what makes us unique is that we don't. We hold, we, we, we normalize our leaders and, and things like that. We humanize them and we, we make fun of them with satire, right? You look at Saturday Night Live, look at basically that allows us to take our politicians and people in these top positions off a pedestal, but also if you look at it from a, ne a negative perspective, when there is no, when there is no understanding of the work of people who made certain things possible, then you're at risk for the privileges that you receive from their work, you're at risk of losing them. And right. so what those pictures, um, um, his name is Sheik Girard. That's his name. Um, I'm gonna send you. I'm gonna after after the podcast over. I send you guys uh, just a little glimpse of it. But anyway, um, yeah, that that puts you at risk of of um, disunification. So um, when when I look at you know you know how they basically um, idolize the leader, and I mean there was a uh, we went through Abu Dhabi, which is um, Abu Dhabi is the capital of, of the UAE. There was a there was a statue, there was a picture of him made of a chandelier. And so it was this big gigantic chandelier and his picture was engraved in it. And uh, I got some pictures of all that man. And like it, it was it was some really, really amazing stuff to see. And uh, I think the one of the things they're gonna get is the they're gonna get the Mona Lisa from France, because you know France has the the uh, original Mona Lisa painting. I think they're supposed to put it on display for, I don't know, I think the next 10 years or something like that. So um, culture, <laughs> culture was very, very important and tradition is very important to them. And uh, it, even though they're modernizing and they're, they're not a, um, they're not a primitive city. There are some rural areas. They have some really, um, they're very progressive in terms of their modernization, in terms of technology. And different things that they're using, they are they're supposed to be completely. Um, I think the country's going to be completely on renewable energy by twenty twenty five. I want to say, That's and crazy. so there there's certain advances that they are having that that they're doing that we are having this fight. So we're still trying to get. We're still we still have people who are denying that climate change exists. Right. Let alone us talking about. Renewable energy. Renewable energy. So. You got a whole country that's going to be fully, you know, on a renewable basis. Exactly. People that still don't even accept that it's real. Exactly. But you know what? That just shows when you're, as a people, you're committed to being the best that you can be. Your country is being the best that it can be. The things you can actually do and get done.
That's right. So that's that's awesome. That's that's a great. You know, that's just good information to have, man, and a good perspective on something that not a lot of people really get the opportunity to do. Because sometimes places like that feel out of reach for people, mm-hmm. and it's really not. You know, it's it's planning, of course, budgeting, being smart about your finances. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. just putting yourself in a position to do it. Yep, that's true. So, man, awesome. Appreciate it. Love that part of it. So moving on to the main topic of our last podcast, and we wanted to get your input on this, but you were in Dubai at the time. Yes. Living my best life. Living. living (laughs) So operations, man. Mm. Uh, So my my perspective on it is, and just quick, I think it's owed. I think the study and the research needs to be done. Mm-hmm. I think looking at it objectively, it'll be almost impossible to do it accurately, though. Yes, because for a lot of reasons. Such a, I mean, I think primarily you you had no accurate, truly accurate way of keeping count or recording slaves and the dissemination and the spreading of families and then you know when families got got ripped apart you know no there was no there was no uh united slave bureau that kept track of everything you know right so it's gonna be exceedingly difficult to accurately track who possibly is the actual descendant because I may very well be, you may very well be, Marla may very well be, uh, <laughs> and then just the flip side, we may very well not be. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's, you know, that's so one of the complications of it. Exactly. So it's like, you know, my argument was, you know what, you make it right. If you're black, that's what your birth certificate says, and you're over the age of 21, you're enti- it's an entitlement you deserve. Mm-hmm. Now, whatever that amount is, however you decide to do it, whether it's tax breaks, whether it's grants, whether it's whatever, you know, that's up for the powers that be to decide. But I feel like that that's that's the only way to universally make it right. Yeah. And, uh, well, I just want to give you my uh, perspective on that. I mean, I kind of see where uh, Martin's coming from, but at the same time, I feel like approving reparations can lead to more problems. Like say for example, you have a mixed couple, like a, a black man and a white woman. So, does their child get like half of a you know well, money? I'm saying so. It's like twenty one. But that is like it just opened a whole can of worms. It just seemed like it just the, it's more problems. Like oh, they got more than I did. Disqualify me though. It could. But like my mom's white, you know, my dad's black. My family is very mixed. You so know, okay, we do have we like if you look at my family, my family covers the entire spectrum of what African Americans look like. Mm-hmm. You know, we have the people that are dark. You know, that have what I guess someone consider the traditional African American features: mm-hmm. the hair, the face on the lips, the nose, etc., etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then I have you know the other end of it, whereas people like me who have you know quote unquote good hair or straighter hair, mm-hmm. you know fairer skin complexion who maybe don't have all the traditional African-American features. And then you look at people like my brother and sister, you know, my brother and sister, their dad is black. If you look at them, you're not, if you, especially my brother, you're not going to think they're black. So let me ask you a question. 
let's say for instance they said okay we're going to we're going to study reparations and they study it and here's what they come up with they say okay here's going to be the criteria for those who get paid if if we do a we, we're going to do it based off of not necessarily who owns slaves but people who benefited from it so if they say okay if you have one we're going to classify if you have one drop of white blood inside of you you will have to pay uh to individuals who don't have none because in some aspect you benefited from it would you be for reparations at that point well say that again okay say for instance they said okay here will be the criteria if you have one drop of white blood inside of you you will have to pay reparations because you benefited from whiteness or whatever by virtue of, of genetically having white blood inside of you. And would you be for reparations at that point? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to. I think objectively, like personally, I'm sitting here like, hell no. Why the hell I got to pay for something? Mm -hmm. You know, because historically, so, and I only say that historically in a sense, my my uncle is on my mom's side of the family is a historian. And as far as I know, my family did not own slaves. My family was the poor white family mm -hmm. that really, you know, they, they wasn't affording slaves. They were looked down upon because they were the poor white folks from my understanding and how it's been explained to me. Yeah. So, you know, I can't really say we benefited except right. the fact that they were white. And remember, 90% of individuals who fought in the Civil War, whites who fought in the Civil War, owned no slaves. 90%. Right. They are right. not one. And so that's the the whole idea of reparations is complicated on a lot of different levels because it exactly. also I mean, a lot of different lines. But but to answer people. your question, mm -hmm. I think objectively, if if you are white and or identified as such, and I think it is your almost ethnic responsibility. Because okay. You, you, the culture, our, our country was set up to inherently benefit those who were white, especially white men for a long period of time. Okay. So, you know, I think inherently, you know, whether it's a tax, whether it's, uh, you know, what, whatever it is, because, you know, there's so many, there's so many ways that I could go, you know, like you and I have said, like we've all said, you know, it's just one of those things, but I think, you know, whether it's, I think objectively, I would have to answer yes to your question. Like, if if I was identified as white and I had to pay a higher tax rate mm -hmm. to recompense and to redress those who are descendants of slaves or who are identified as such. That was a long time ago. For that, then it is what it is. You know, I, I think it is. I think it is what it is. I think you can't say it was a long time ago because here's the deal. There's still injustices being happened today. And the only reason those injustices happen is because of the behaviors of their predecessors. So my question to that in response to that, if we do some of the reparations, do you think racism will increase because of the division of, OK, I'm paying this extra tax. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I like now. I think initially, I think initially, yeah, you're gonna see it. I think you absolutely will. But here's the thing: you you take a culture of people that have been maligned and been treated the way African Americans have, mm -hmm. 
black people, slaves, whatever, you take a culture, a group of a demographic of people, and get find one ex, find one example in history where those people haven't been ta- given some type of reparations. Native Americans, they were almost driven to extinction. Jews. They got reparations. They, they, they received. They get tax breaks. They get scholarships. They get land rights. They get casino rights. They have so many things set up for Native Americans to pay them back for what was done to them. You have Jews who received the form of reparations from Germans and the countries that per, per, that participated in the Holocaust. You know, so you know, those are being two examples. Okay, so, so let me ask you this. Do you believe that because when we when we think about this from a perspective of slavery, if we say, okay, we're pointing the finger only at the US and European nations who participate in slavery, but we never say to the African nations who participated in the slave trade that you are responsible as well because you were complicit. So yeah. Again, one of my issues is is that we you're we're pointing the finger at one group, but there's a group that participated in it as well, and 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 that's I, I would say I would say that's where the first apology should come from. The first apology should come from the person who was complicit and the person who was naive, because there had to be a great deal of naivety to to participate in something that. Of course, what we know, you know, in, in studying slavery and things like that, that this system of slavery that, you know, Africans and indentured men and, and Native Americans and, and even some poor whites who were brought in as indentured servants, like some of the Irish, mm-hmm. were, were subject to this, this type of system was very different than slavery that existed in Africa, where you were enslaved to pay off the debt or you enslaved right. if you were captured uh, the prisoner of war, or something like that. You weren't considered shadow slavery or property. So, I think I, I'm my big issue beyond all of that is the reason I believe that this is coming up at this point in time. I believe is to bring light to a situation and stimulate people to go out and vote and. I think that I don't think that that there I don't I question the seriousness of the conversation because um, when if we we've 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 been on this this whole idea of reparation has been it, it comes around every now and then and it dies off and it comes around again and it dies and, off yeah you know in the the whole conversation at this point in time is not necessarily to pay but to at least do the study. And I think, I think realistically, honestly, I don't believe there will ever be reparations. Me I, think, I, think, I think reparations would bankrupt the U.S. I don't think it would bankrupt. I think it would, I think it would, I don't think it would financially bankrupt. But I think it would probably socially bankrupt. Because no, here's the thing. All the people that are white and that are in power would have to take the charge. But you know what? They would benefit from it because here's another point. Be- because there's no, because there's okay. If if they decided right now, 
and said, okay, everybody, you know what? We're not going to do a study. We're just going to just award everybody who has black blood um, $1.2 million a piece. When you, this, when you actually, okay, so you get this money. Well, your money is going to get deposited in a white institution, a white owned bank, because there are not a lot of black banks out, because a lot of them are, were closed down. A lot of, so if you look at the, if you look at it from a perspective of the black infrastructure, most of that money would be transferred right back to where it came from. Absolutely. Like, don't don't get me wrong. It That's would be, why I don't believe it would be the most serious economic stimulus ever. Exactly. Because you have so many people who would lose their mind and not have the common sense that, that God gave them what to do with that money, and that money would be gone in days, and weeks if not days. Correct. So I'll say this. I think the idea of reparations is cool. I think it's something that needs to be discussed. And yeah, if they say, you know what, we're going to throw out everybody $1.2 million. You know what, I'm not going to lie. It would go into a white-owned institution because that board of directors is all white. And that's what it is. And yes, I would consider moving my money to an African-American-owned institution. I would consider shopping black, et cetera, et cetera. And do all of that. I consider those things now. You know, when I looked at when I look at real estate, I would look at a black realtor. You know, I would I would do everything I can to make sure that money touched as many black people as I could. The best form of reparations to me that anybody can ever give you is your own liberty. But what I mean by that is, if you think about uh, when um, um, Patrick Henry and they were fighting uh, the Revolutionary War to gain their independence from Britain. One of the things that they were saying was, give me liberty, give me death. I want my liberty, my freedom to do what I want. And that's more important than that. Matter of fact, I would, I'd rather be broke and free than rich and constrained. Because when we, when we place a, a dollar amount, or really you can't place a dollar amount on what freedom means and what I mean freedom to make your own decisions freedom to create your own destiny freedom to not create a destiny if you choose not to and so I, I, I guess I, I go back and forth with it because I I believe I believe that there's something old I just don't I just don't know what it, I don't level it down to a dollar amount because I don't think I can be I don't think my issue I think I would have is, is that something would be paid and then five or ten years from it was paid, people would come back and say, that wasn't enough. It should be more. And then this would just become this recycled over and over political thing like it is now. It's nothing but something that's been recycled politically over and over and over and over and over so that people can garner attention and support. It's nothing that can happen legislative. It's not feasibly legislatable because in order for that to happen you'd have to get something like that would have to go through a budget committee and all this other kind of stuff and I just think that what people should focus on, what issues people should focus on are issues that are a lot more practical and make a lot more sense in their lives not saying that reparations as a discussion or as a study doesn't make sense because it does Um, I also think that one of the reasons America's afraid to address that is because other people would come and request theirs too. Like if you look at 
um, if you know the history of how Hawaii became a state, right? Sure. And, um, with the Bob, well, not Bob Dole, Dole Pineapple, and those guys went in and did a, um, 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 they did a coup and yep. um, um, overthrew the queen of Hawaii and um, annexed it. And, and I think what, Hawaii was the 49th state? I can't remember. But anyway, and so th- years ago, I was reading about that, that they apologized to the Hawaiian people for, you know, that coup and that annex annexation, but they never paid them anything. And so you got that. I mean, when it comes to Hawaii, Native Hawaiians do have rights that not every person can get. Now, and I'm just saying this because I I went to Hawaii and I learned this about the whole situation. So, for instance, if you are born and raised in Hawaii, if you are born in Hawaii, you are entitled to certain rights. Like, for instance, uh, non-Natives cannot own land in Hawaii. Mm. Interesting. But you can't actually own it. That's my shit. And like for like you could lease it for a period of time, but after that it would return back to the the state, more or less. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh natives can also lease land, but from my understanding, it's something to the tune of like a dollar a year for a hundred years. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Those are that, and that's just one specific instance I heard of. So there are certain things that have been done to, you know, recoup and and provide avenues for the natives to have mm-hmm. from them. And yeah, no, I mean it was you know the you look at Hawaii, everything's imported. Like pineapples are native to Hawaii. The the sand come on the beaches comes from Australia. I mean like. You know, the cost of living is so high. I mean, milk was like $10 a gallon. Yeah, yeah. You know, I we were I was there for a week. And, you know, you talk about uh, 20 bucks a day per person for lunch. You know, not even talking about dinner, bus transportation. Like, the cheapest thing there was water. You know, you could get a liter of water for, like, less than a dollar, which was nice. But... You know, you're not living on water. That's right. And so, you know, there there are some things culturally and socially that have been done, paid back to the native peoples and all the different cultures that made up Hawaii and the islands for what they were. You know, it, it's it's it is similar though. I mean, there there are things that are owed, you know, but at the same time, there there are there things have been done to try to make it right. True. First when you talk about slaves and the descendants of slaves, nothing has been done to make it right. That is true. Freedom, you know, emancipation wasn't making slavery right. It's doing what you should have did from the first place. You know, you know, abolishing Jim Crow is doing what you should, it should have never been done in the first place. You know, having a civil rights movement should have never been needed because they should have you shouldn't you should have had civil rights in the first place. You know, so you know it was it was a step by step process of people having to dissent and fight to get on the same ground. And we're still not as people who essentially founded this country. Mm-hmm. All based because they were a different skin color. So 
you know, it's a it's a very different situation. And I agree with what you're saying about how, you know, people in Africa that contributed to it and started it need to be held accountable. That's true. But you know what? It's a lot difficult to make another country accountable for something than the people that participated it right here. That's true. I agree. You know, and I, I agree with you, but I don't I don't see it happening. And Africa you know, and wherever it may be, you never know. It could be uh, a country that's in turmoil. It could be a country that's war torn. It could be a country that's just fine. You never know what you're getting into. You know, so while I think essentially that, yeah, accountability needs to be held, what I will say, though, is if we don't handle accountability at home, what's the point of trying to handle accountability overseas? All right. You know, if our, own people, if our own people here can't be accountable for what happened, you know, because let's be real, you look at the thing with uh, Mitch McConnell talking about, you know, Obama was all reparations. Mm-hmm. Black, yeah, that's, that's, that's one of the most ignorant statements I've ever heard. But I'm like, not surprised by it. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Like, I'm not surprised by it because of who he is. Like, he's a racist. We all know that. You know, he's a he's an inherent bigot. Like he he does look down upon black people and he thinks we should be happy with what we have. Whereas it's not it's not a matter of being happy with what we have. It's a matter of having the same playing field and being on the same level as everybody else. And we're not because of the fact that your family had 300 years of a leg up. Yep. And this is what it is. So while I think reparations are great. And I think the monetary thing would be great. What I truly think would cripple America is the fact that you would have to have the government of America formally apologize and take responsibility for slavery. Like, like real life, there, there would have to be a state, of, a state of the Union address broadcast on every station throughout the U.S., where the president and Lord, if it had to be Trump, that would be just too beautiful. I'd, I'd laugh. Unfortunately, it wouldn't be. He wouldn't do that under no circumstances. Of course not. But you know, it would it would be one of those situations where it would have to be broadcast across the U.S. and across the world that America formally takes responsibility that America takes responsibility for the acts of slavery, admitting that it's wrong. A single demographic of people profited from the injustice and suffering of others. Mm-hmm. And that's just what it is. I mean, like, you know, America's paying, America paid uh, Japanese people who were put in internment camps. That's right, 20 grand. Exactly. So it's like, it's not, it's not unheard of. Like, you've done it. Oh, yeah. It's just the biggest black eye. This the this the biggest one on the books, like down the road. Yeah, I mean the U.S. was responsible for, you know, the split of of is the establishment of Israel in 1947. Um, you know, the U.S. was a part of that. You know, and the, the whole idea of the Israelis and the Palestinians, you know, fighting over that land, and you know that was a core issue that was first be started by the U.S. So, you know, reparations are redressing certain things that have been either done to, you know, people or by governments or, or whatever. I, I think 
not to jump off of something, but one of the arguments I always hear is uh, the people, the people who, um, the people who were responsible and the people who were subject to it are no longer living. And I, I never, I always wonder why the first thing people don't respond with is that's not true. The government approved it, sanctioned it, not approved it, but um, created it, legalized it, and then illegalized it. And the government is still available and it still functions. So the the principal party that's responsible for, which is the government, is still in existence. And, you know, I, I guess I never understand why people allow that argument to advance that the people who are responsible are no longer living. But that's because... They try to make it about people in particular, not about the government. Because, like I said, if it was about the government, yes. the government taking a responsibility, mm-hmm. it'd be a much bigger deal. That is true. Now let's try to reduce it to oh, well, those people are no longer alive. Well, I mean, Thomas Edison ain't alive, but we still be using electricity. And mm-hmm. so, you know, like like George Washington's coffee ain't around, but we still be eating peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous. <Dude>, crazy. <laughs> Guy that invented heart surgery, we still be doing heart surgery. Like, do it, baby. You know, I'm just saying though, like mm-hmm. you know, it's one of those things, you know, where people people want to address it on a personal level, but don't want to address it as an institutional problem because then you'd have to admit that the institution was inherently corrupt and engaged in inherently corrupt behavior, and then you have to look at what do we need to do with the institution? How do we hold the institution accountable? And then that brings up the bigger issue of, wow, like we're bad. Like we're the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's one of those situations where it's, that's why I said it needs to be a, a, a realization and admittance that America was wrong. Yep. And that because it wasn't, it wasn't about people, it wasn't about individuals so much, as it was about the government and the country and the nation that instituted, enforced, legalized, then retconned these practices. That is correct. You know, and irrespective of, it was, you know, Washington or a founding father or Lincoln and emancipation or whatever happened after that, you know, it's it's not about the person. It, It is about the institution. And admitting that the institution is foundationally corrupt. Facts. Or that the legacy of it still um, is still in existence, right? A lot of the things that we do um, is still based on, you know, the whole economics of slavery. Everything from, you know, how we get loans and how we collateralize things, all that, that whole model came out of slavery. And so you know, the, the slave economic system. So, you know, we have a, we have a lot of, people have a lot of work to do in terms of whether or not, you know, I, I even wonder if, if this country can even handle that type of conversation because... I don't think it can. <laughs> but and that's, it's going to resort in finger pointing and I think the people who are going to say, look, that I... If, if, and for those who have a point to say that, look, my family owned no slaves, or that was something my great 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 grandfather did, you're pointing finger at me as if it's my fault. 
And so, again, in order for us to have the dialogue on that, one of the things that people would have to go away from is people would have to eliminate the emotion tied to it and the finger pointing. Because once you start doing those things, then the conversation's off. It's no longer negotiation. It's a, it's a blame game. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the reasons we haven't gotten far with it to begin with is because once you put the R word, which is race, into it, it becomes a blame game. It's no longer, we're no longer having a conversation about, okay, here, here were the effects of what happened. It's, it's your fault that this is like this. So, ongoing battle. And it, it's going to continue ongoing for, for a significant period of time. I don't know if it'll get resolved in our lifetimes or not. It's, it's one of those things. I wouldn't bet but, the rent money on it. Huh? I wouldn't bet the rent money on it. Hell no. My, my rent get paid on time whether reparations come or not. I'm not about to. <laughs> that's the spirit. You know, and that's what it is. You know, and that's the thing. You can't, you know, you can't live on an expectation of something like that that's going to come because it may, it may not come in my lifetime. It may not come in my kids' lifetime. You know, it might not, it might not come in my grandkids' lifetime. It may, they, they, my grandkids may be the ones that get the apology and then, you know, hey, you know, that money still may not come in their lifetime. So it's just one of those things. Yeah. You know, so whatever it's going to be, it's going to be. But I definitely think it's something that, you know, we as a, as a culture and a people need to continue to talk about and understand that, honestly, whether it does come or whether it doesn't come, mm-hmm. it still doesn't prevent us from being successful and overcoming the, the, the things we need to overcome in this life. Like whether whether yeah, it is difficult for us because of how we look, or it's left less difficult for others because of how they look. You know, irrespective of that, we still have the uh, the. I think we're still obliged to work as hard as possible to be successful. Yes. And I think that whether reparations comes or not, you know, we owe it to those coming after us to set up a foundation to be successful. I agree. So. That's just one of those things. Yep. So with with that heavy topic being being said, I think moving on to <laughs> yeah, I was excused my son in the background. He decided he wanted a bottle of water. Oh. That's a bit important. Go mm-hmm. get your water. Water is very important. Yes, he likes to be hydrated before bed. I ain't yeah. Mad. So so you know, moving on to NBA free agency. That's that's what's big right now. We all been moving and you know, following it and you know, seeing what's going on. Now, I honestly, uh, you know what? I have not I have never appreciated Twitter the way I do now because I've been sick for like the last week. It's okay. That's my other son. Oh, he has two kids. Right there. Uh, brother Joy. Nice song. That's cute. Love you. All right, go. Are you gonna come in a second? Yes. Yes. I can't even say nothing. So you can't. You know, hey, hopefully they do get reparations. Yes. So, but yeah, NBA free agency. Twitter, Twitter has definitely kept alive. The memes have been real. Uh. Kawhi watch was in full effect. Like a whole like week. Like, on, on edge, like you know, you, I would say this. My my favorite from free agent was Brooklyn and New York. 
<laughs> because I'm going to tell you right now, James Dolan set New York up what, so high. What a So much. You know, pre, pre-draft lottery, you know, we're going to get Zion. We're going to get KD. We're going to get Kyrie. Or Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis. Super what? team. Everybody. Jesus is going to come back. A ninth of square. And that's what it's going to be. What the fuck did? And one by one fell uh, apart. Said, bro, it was it was a tough. It was a series of body blows. Well, he's the same guy that hired Isaiah Thomas as the uh, VP of basketball operations. So, it, you know, after Isaiah had practically failed in Indiana and didn't do so well in Toronto, and the CBA had collapsed under his watch. So, you know, I. I just, I really just feel for the Knicks fans because they, they're, they're, they're like the Cleveland Cavaliers before they won the title to me in terms of, you know, that's everybody, I'm not going to say everybody reached to New York, but, you know, I, I just remember the days where the Knicks were a, a, a constant competitor in the East. And it's a, it's a big market where people would want to go and play there. But they just have bad management, and right. when you have incompetence on that level, it's very hard for to attract good talent. And if you attract some, they're not going to either live up to their full potential, as you saw at Carmelo Anthony, or they're just um, they're just not going to come there. Period. Because if the management is bad, you know, even Phil Jackson came there and tried to do some things and wasn't able to, and so it's a it, it's a, it, it seems like it's a cultural, a, a team culture thing where this, this incompetence um, allows them to miss out on uh, good players every Absolutely. single, every single free agency year. And, and so now we get to see this bloodbath of the Knicks play next season and say they really had an opportunity to scoop up some really, really good talent. I mean, they had the money. They could have signed anybody and everybody. Yes. You know, they they could have they could have literally paid for a super team, got three all stars, and really been the team in the East to change things and be great. Mm-hmm. And instead, they lost out on Kevin Durant. So torn Achilles, yes. Kyrie Irving to Brooklyn, mm-hmm. the the little brother in New York. They lost out on Zion in the draft because of the new draft format that leveled the odds, and they even I think still had some of the best chances and still didn't get him. All right, they got third. So you know it's like you you look at everything and it's like so y'all lost out on Zion, you lost out on KD and Kyrie. Who did y'all get? Julius Randle. Yes, the Pelicans let him go. We're, we're not. Uh, good for y'all, Knicks. Like, you you have to – I think as James Dolan, as the owner and management, you have to evaluate what you're doing and realize that it's your fault. Like, there, there's no other reason. Like, they lambasted Charles Oakley, who, you know, who's a hallowed name in their halls. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they I think they escorted him from the garden. He sure did, yeah. You know, right, I remember that. Uh, and it's just like 
one of your greats, you escorted him from the garden? Yeah. Like somebody that's absolutely beloved in your town and your culture? Yep. Come on, bro. So I think, you know, they bring it on themselves. And then, you know, we look at Golden State. They they made some really interesting moves, you know. Left, they traded Andre Iguodala. Because mm-hmm. uh, he had talked in the Brothers Club. Whatever. He let all their secrets up. Whatever. That's the only reason why they traded. I haven't, um, I haven't had an opportunity to watch that interview. I thought yeah. he was there promoting his book. So he was there spilling gossip. Yeah, so basically he was kind of throwing some slight shade at the uh, training staff of the Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. So at one point, I think it was like last season, he had said that he had um, a hurt calf, but really was like he torn like a, a knee card or something like that. So basically the staff kind of lied on him. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the same thing with Kevin Durant. It's like they say one thing, but it's probably something different. Yeah, like how they were saying when Kevin Durant was just a calf string, mm-hmm. but it was like not something a little more serious than that. But they put out there that, oh, it was just a calf string. So he pretty much kind of just put everybody on blast and the medical staff. And oh, well, two days later, he got traded. So, yeah. I mean, they did get, they ended up getting D'Angelo Russell. They're going to trade anyway. So who? Somebody, he's not fit. I mean, he's a he's a point guard pretty much. So I have him, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson next year. I mean, yeah. it's not a like fit. Draymond, shooter. Yeah, Draymond. Yeah, I mean, you know, you don't know what the team is going to look like, and essentially, it's all going to be on Steph. And this will be the first time I think in his career where we really get to see it be on Steph. Yeah. So we'll see what he's made of. You know, and then. So you talk about Los Angeles as a, as a whole. It got Laker, real interesting. Laker fans were on on Kyrie uh, Kawhi Leonard's watch. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. No, it was suicide watch. I, I can't tell you how many people were sitting for that. I I just watched and I followed on Twitter, looking at it, sitting there waiting to hear where Kawhi was going the whole time. Kawhi politicking with the Clippers to get somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, essentially, the Clippers traded like six first-round picks and two players mm-hmm. for Kawhi and Paul George. Because that's really what it was. It was really Kawhi being like, look, y'all get somebody else, I'll come through. Mm-hmm. You know, you get, you, you know, it's like you get a friend, you know, it's a party. Yep. You know, and, and that's really what it is. I think what's kind of crazy, too, is that pretty much we can kind of blame the media to some extent because they thought, like, Chris, Chris Bessard, Chris Carver all saying, oh, it's coming down between the Lakers and the Raptors. Everybody was saying, oh, no, he ain't going to Clippers. There's no chance he's going there. I mean, who's the second star to go with him? That was the whole argument. Mm-hmm. So problem was at that point, is like, damn, okay. So everybody, I mean, but, all Lakers fans you, are excited. Like, okay, who, he's coming who there. Do you, who do you like? Nobody saw six first-round draft picks and two players for Paul George. Like, that that's more than they gave up for Anthony Davis. True. And I think we can all agree. Anthony Davis over Paul George, I'm taking Anthony Davis. Yes. All Absolutely. Day. You know, he's a two-way player, defensive player, and he, he contributes overall more to the team. Don't get me wrong. I think Paul George is great. Mm-hmm. He's not Anthony Davis. Yes. So, 
But if you look at it in the perspective of you get you get Paul George and you get Kawhi, then you know you're talking about six first round draft picks and two players for Kawhi and Paul George, which makes a little bit more sense. Yep. You know. Hey, uh, Pat, quick question for you. Yes. I'm here to be asked. Do you, you, like, you like Paul George better or LeBron James? Why would you ask me that? Just answer the question, I'll tell you. Neither. You gotta pick one. What? what? Why would you ask? See, so you saw my uh, Facebook post uh, yesterday. So, pretty much, this another fellow Laker hater, or well, LeBron James hater. We were just going back and forth debating about between the Lakers and the Clippers. And he was saying that, of course, the Clippers are going to trash the Lakers. Sure, whatever. Yeah. He wanted to say that he preferred Paul George over LeBron James. Not only now, back in the day when we played for the Pacers and when LeBron played for the, the Heat. Nah. I was like, bro. I'm going to be real. <laughs> I was like, bro, really? Yeah. And LeBron. Nah, he Please tell that boy on Facebook. Like, he like, really pissed like, me like, off. Like, let's be real. Like, and, and Pat, you ain't got to like LeBron, but comparing apples to apples, yeah. Apple, he a whole lot. Say, bro, I'm just saying. Like, yeah, bro. I mean, you I know. Mean, I can understand you pick like a Kawhi, a KD, or a Giannis or LeBron. Sure, I completely understand that 100%. You're going to tell me you're going to pick Paul George, who has come short every year in the playoffs. He's never even seen a finals. You'd rather have him over LeBron? Come on, bro. He don't really mean that. No, it's my Facebook post. Go check it out. I've seen it. You know what? I think in his mind he mean that, but in his heart he don't, and he don't want to admit it. No, he want to admit it. It's like, you know, you don't want to admit that. He, he like, sitting there, yeah, I'll take the other girl, even if she ain't cute. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it's akin to. That, that's like so, like I got the. It's like you know, I got Halle Berry. Nah, I don't like Halle, man. Give me Halle Bailey. Yeah, give me precious. Very bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's just one of those things, like you know, it's just one of those weird comparisons that you know nobody. Nobody who who is a fan of basketball would realistically make like you're not gonna c- compare LeBron and Paul George. You can't. And, and, and like inherently, they're two completely different players, and LeBron is the better player, mm-hmm. like overall. But not according to a boy. So just but, you know, it out there. We allow fools their delusions, for they know nothing else. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, <laughs> you know, getting getting back to free agency, but yeah, so. Now we have how many teams? Right now we had talked about this earlier. There, there's ten teams with at least two superstars yep. versus a handful of teams with three superstars. I tell you what, I think, and I hope I'm right in this prediction. Uh, I'm going to look forward to watching the season this year. Yeah, yeah, no, basketball is going to be worth watching. I mean, I say this: basketball was better this year with Kawhi going to Toronto. And it was, I mean, don't get me wrong, Golden State was still Golden State, and you knew who was coming out of the West. Mm-hmm. But the East, for the most part, was interesting. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, because LeBron wasn't in the East, so it was like you knew you didn't know who was coming out of the East. Right. You knew it was going to be Golden State out of the West because the Lakers just didn't have the pieces and too many people had been hurt. Yeah. 
Yep. Same with the Rockets. They did some turmoil. Exactly. It's same with the Rockets. So the East was a literal toss-up with all these teams you had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kawhi being in the East, in Toronto, you know, it just made it even better basketball to watch. The Eastern, the East playoffs all the way through were good. You know, and then the finals, I, I feel like I deserve some credit because I called six games. Mm-hmm. Six yeah. games. I said Toronto and six. I think what helped those that KD got hurt. <laughs> well, he, well, well, he, he was okay. hurt before. He before. Yeah, yeah, I, I said Toronto and six before the series started. True. Yeah. You know, I said Toronto and six before the series started. So, you know, I always felt like Toronto was a more complete team and Kawhi could check somebody. If KD got hurt, I was like, yeah. Oh, Clay hurt too? Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. He gave you amazing one-off performances. Mm-hmm. But – uh, a torn ACL and a torn Achilles plays. It's, I mean, Steph is not that guy. Exactly, it's true. Unless Draymond got 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 like. Oh, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, but yeah, yeah. So it's just one of those things. But now the West is wide open. The Lakers are obviously the favorite now. No, Clippers are favorite. Yeah, the big. yeah. I think I think I like the Clippers better. I mean, so it, it's either gonna can we can we honestly say it's either gonna be Clippers or Lakers? Absolutely. If nothing, because you're talking nothing out of the ordinary happens. Who? Let me ask you this: Who else do the Clippers have? Because the last time I actually followed the Clippers, yeah. you know who? Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, <laughs> uh, Lob City. That was the last time I actually followed the Clippers. All okay, I know is that so Doc Rivers is still there. I'll tell you. So they have um, Patrick Beverly. Okay. He's a pretty good uh, defensive he's, yeah, yeah, point he's, guard. Yeah, he's somebody. I know the you name. Got, uh, Lou Williams, shooting guard. I uh, nobody. He's a a good six man. I mean, I don't he's know. not really special. I don't, I don't know. Um, if I was a casual basketball fan, who do the Clippers have that I actually know besides Kawhi and Paul George? I know the it. name Patrick Beverly. That's it. Everybody else is like bunch of role players. Okay, so the Lakers, for all intents and purposes, are my favorite team, and here's why. LeBron, AD, Boogie, Rondo, Kuzma, Danny Green, Danny Green, Cousins. You know what? That's a strong six. Yeah. Side. That's a strong six. And they ain't done yet. I mean, mind you, it's three fifths of the Pelicans from two years ago. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. But the New Orleans Lakers. What? You know, but you know. If, I mean, that's a strong six. Yeah. You know, if – if I mean, because you're talking about Rondo, LeBron Kuzma, and then AD and Boogie on the floor at the same time. I'm going to tell you the real good lineup. LeBron at point guard. Danny Green at shooting guard. Kuzma at three. Kuzma at AD three. At four, 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 five. five. Yeah. The shortest person in that line is six. Yeah. Wow. The Clippers, they have a lot of good players, but most of their good players are shorter than six foot four. All short is six nine, and Leonard is six eight. So, other than that, it's a bunch of short guys. So I'm saying, so there's no way they can guard. LeBron can guard. I mean, AD can guard guard PG. If you wanted to. And. You know, LeBron can guard Kawhi and vice versa. And that means, stat-wise, lineup-wise, 
you still have Danny Green, you still have Boogie, mm-hmm. you still have who's right. You still got three people who can provide right. and put up numbers. And who you have for the Clippers? Patrick Beverly. So I was looking at the possible lineups, lineups they can do. So they have Patrick Beverly at point, Paul George at guard, um, Reese Harkless who's six nine. Kawhi and Zuba. That's their big lineup. Okay. So who is Beverly going to guard? Let's right. go big. <laughs> is, is Patrick going uh, to guard LeBron? And get done in? I don't know. He'll no. get 30 dropped on his head. So, I mean, you know, let's be real. Free agency has been a mess. It's been crazy. It's been yeah. it's been wilder than we ever imagined. Right. All because of Kawhi. You got probably, you know, you, you have eight teams with at least two superstars yep. and that are filling out their rosters. You know, <clears throat> the Pelicans are going to be a contender. They will. Absolutely. They got a, they got a great contender. Yep. I can see it. Uh, we'll, we'll probably be – I say the highest we're going to be as a six seed. I say seven seed, probably the highest. Lowest eight seed. I mean, I, mean, so, I look at the – I, I, I give them a six. I think I mean depending on like who would be who would be you're talking about the Clippers, the Lakers. Denver is strong. Utah got better. Yep. Portland is still coming. That's five. Uh got Lakers, Clippers. That's, that's five. Lakers, Clippers, Denver, Utah, Portland. Okay. So that's um, why I say Houston. 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 I thought you were, I, I was hoping you don't leave out the Rockets. I just I don't see I, I, okay, so seven. I, I said the highest would be a six. I'd be okay with seven in the first year. So, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, sure. and, you know, and there's always the possibility of somebody imploding. Because mm-hmm. while Houston is great, he can implode just like anybody else. Yep. And then Paul Oh, was, and Golden State. I, I think Golden State. Yeah. Golden State. Uh, I think Golden State. I think, honestly, I think just by virtue of stuff, they would be in that six, seven, eight range. Yep. Absolutely. Once she gets, they just don't have the depth of the people. Yep. Like if they play a Lakers or they play a Clippers, they gonna get that ass bust. Yep. Pretty much. Clay is pretty much out until what March at oh, best next year. Yeah, at best. Mm-hmm. Stephen, Stephen and D'Angelo Russell. Is it? But just making sure that our best is on, right? Yep. Lakers still on. Yes, sir. Hey, well, I was a little worried at first, but you know what? I feel more, more, I'm more confident about those bottles. Oh, I'm glad. We shall see. Well, uh, man, it's getting it's, it's getting towards the end of the show. You know, it, it's so much has gone on, and there's been so much we talked about. You know, past trip to Dubai, the 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 thought of reparations and what it means for cult, what it means culturally, what it means socially, what, it, what how it affects our country as a whole, mm-hmm. and then be a free agency. Like there, there's so many more things going on that we just really don't even have the time to touch on. Like you know, you could talk about socially, you know, the effect of Lil Nas X coming out as as homosexual, and how that's you know causing people to set their faces on fire. Um, or I'm not- Black Ariel having a black Ariel, which I'm 100% with it. Uh, how do you feel about that, Pat? About uh, Ariel being portrayed as black on, on the live? 
teeth. Fuck teeth, but movies. The Lord I, I have I don't know a lot about that. So essentially, Halle Bailey is uh, her and her sister got famous on YouTube for singing. Mm-hmm. They were Beyonce's label. Okay. And she is an incredibly talented singer. Uh, she is black. She is, you know, not fair-skinned by any stretch of the imagination. She dark. Like, she your complexion, Marlon. I'm dark. Oh, I'm brown. Yeah. I'm in the sun a lot. So, <laughs> like, she ain't I mean, it's like she blue black, right? She dark. Like, nah, bro. She, she like brown. Butterscotch, caramel, you know, brown sugar, whatever. And they had a they had an image posted of her. I think it was on set. And she has dreads, but they're red. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I don't know if it was a set image or it was an edited image or something like that. But, you know... Honestly, like just from hearing her sing, like I don't know how she is an actress. I've never seen her acting. I don't know if she's acting. But I mean, I'm I'm with it. Like, you know, it's a mermaid. Like we're gonna debate on a fictional creature. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, like, I mean, they were when um Igris was supposed to play James Bond. They were um feel for that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, um I, I guess as as we start looking at different characters uh, a, a different taste of characters to play then people are going to be up in arms about it and you know yeah. I don't know I don't know well the, I think and this is just my perspective on it you know I think it gets to the point when it's not so much how the actor looks yeah versus how they portray the character absolutely you know if that person Gives me an accurate portrayal of the character. Yeah, then I can respect that. I yeah. don't, you know, like Will Smith playing the um, playing the genie on um, on Aladdin. Yeah. yeah, you know, I just I just watched that the other day, yeah. and I enjoyed it. Like I, mind you, I enjoy Will Smith, but watching him play such an iconic character that I yes. still feel the for probably will always associate with Robin Williams. Yeah. That's right. That's right. It's always going to be Robin Williams to me, but at the same time, it's like What's he wasn't bad. Like he did. I was yeah. rocking with it. Like the whole intro scene where they were going into Africa, I'm rocking with it because Will was getting it. Mm-hmm. So that's what it is. Yep. You, couldn't, but, you can't replace yeah. Robin Williams, but if you got to put in a sub, Will Smith is definitely at the top yes. of my list. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Right. So, well, that is all. That's what that's going to be all for tonight. That's all we are for time. Pat, uh, it was a pleasure. Absolutely. Wonderful having you. No Glad to hear about you, man. Look forward to next week. Yep. And, uh, Marlon, you got anything before we go? Uh, live long and prosper. Oh, that's nice advice. I like that one. I like that one. Uh, Vulcan sign off. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Marlon. This is Patrick. And that's another episode of Dave Dollar Short. All right. Later, folks.